Every year, scores of volunteers descend upon New York City. Most are students from Rockefeller University. They go to parks, urban spaces, all over. They're there to collect soil samples and bring them back to the lab of Dr. Sean Brady. And these soil samples serve a particular purpose, to discover new medicines straight out of the earth. This is the Tomorrow Scale Podcast. I'm Justin Briggs. The Tomorrow Scale Podcast is a series of conversations with the scientists and entrepreneurs who are building the future. We explore cutting-edge technologies with huge potential and go deep to understand how these founders and inventors must chart entirely new territory to bring their technology to market. We have discussions on a wide range of scientific frontiers, from life sciences to AI, nanotech and materials, to the very food we eat. And we'll talk about impacts, time horizons, and what's coming next. We'll learn, quite literally, how science fiction becomes reality. This is the Tomorrow Scale Podcast. Lodo, Spanish for mud. Lodo Therapeutics, the name of the company founded to build upon the groundwork of Dr. Brady's lab. Their platform uses dirt and extracts potential therapeutic molecules from the microbiomes within it applies next-generation DNA sequencing at massive scale, high-throughput screening, synthetic biology, and even some machine learning. There's so much going on here, we'll need multiple guides. Steve Coletti, uh, uh, trained as a medicinal chemist, was at Merck for 24 years, uh, worked across all therapeutic areas and all modalities, Um, very interested in the frontier, and uh, found myself um, with a perfect fit here at Lodo as my first Three projects at Merck were based on natural products. So at Lodo here, I'm a senior vice president and head of uh, R&D. And this is Dale Post. I'm the CEO of Lodo Therapeutics. And I have a degree in, in physics. And I, I sought a, a degree in physics in order to get a, a broad background in science because I knew uh, that I wanted to, to lead high technology companies. And uh, biotechnology has been the, the area of my interest for the last 30 years. And I've been uh, fortunate enough to be the founding CEO of five biotechnology companies, uh, raised a lot of venture capital, and, and uh, three of the companies have become publicly traded. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to sit down with me. Dale, could you give us a, a quick backgrounder on the company? How did uh, Lodo Therapeutics get started? Well, Lodo Therapeutics is a, a company that was uh, a brainchild of Sean Brady, a professor at uh, Rockefeller University. And uh, uh, the the technology there was was of such interest that it attracted the attention of several individuals uh, of importance around the country, um, including uh, individuals that became our our investors. Uh, one group is called the Accelerator Life Science Partners, and they helped nurture the company into existence. Steve, you want to add to that? No, it's uh, that was a great start, and uh, you know Sean Brady um, been at Rockefeller uh, about. 15, 20 years now, uh, essentially got his full professorship based on his science um, that he uh, began and, uh, you know, with the idea of going into the environment and finding new things and uh, that hadn't been seen before for natural product drug, drug discovery. And, uh, and and launching that company, again, he, he, he uh, connected with uh, Accelerator as well as the Gates Foundation. And, uh, and Sean saw that uh, this 
eventually be a, a company moving forward. And, and they launched um, in late 2015, early 2016. And tell me a little bit about the Accelerator program uh, based in, in New York. How is Accelerator involved and what does it mean to be part of a venture accelerator? Well, the, the Accelerator um, Life Science Partners is, is a group that's uh, focused on incubating early stage companies. And so there's a, a group of uh, life science professionals, um, biotechnology executives uh, that have been there and done it before. And uh, they interact with the academic institutions and, and uh, assemble the intellectual property, uh, form collaborations, if you will, early on, and then begin to assemble the team. And at, at some point, as, as they, they add to the team members, they sort of phase themselves out until the company is fully operational with its, uh, its full management team. And having been involved with a, a couple of incubated companies in the past, I can tell you that the Accelerator Life Science Partners Group does a fantastic job of that. So as an incoming CEO in this past September, I, I felt really privileged to be able to have a company that was already up to speed um, with a, a, a staff such as Steve Coletti here on the phone today and um, with a, an operational team that was was uh, going going very efficiently. So Series A 2016-2017, partnership with Genentech for nearly a billion dollars in 2018. Um, where is the company today? We continue on with uh, the Genentech programs um, in the infectious disease area, um, as well as the Gates Foundation. Where we're also uh, working on infectious disease, um, focusing on uh, tuberculosis. And, uh, and what we've also um, included in, in the company is to have our own internal assets, our own internal portfolio, where we're focusing on oncology programs. Uh, so it's really that mix of infectious diseases and oncology that we're bringing forward as we build a platform to the future. And so with that platform, um, Dr. Brady has a pretty elegant term that I really like for the discovery of genetically encoded small molecules. What are they and how are they important to your platform? So one of the fascinating things about uh, microbes are is the the numbers of them that are out there. There's something like a, a hundreds of billions, if not a trillion, different species of microbes out there, and those microbes uh, produce molecules. Um, and through the the billion years of evolution, the microbes have have uh, honed the ability to produce molecules that change or, or affect the life forms around those microbes. And uh, with all these different species and all these different uh, wonderful ways that the microbes are communicating with each other, um, uh, for example, by, by killing competitors, if you will, uh, or regulating the growth factors of others or uh, changing the immunological responses of others, there's all this, this range of different types of interactions. Well, the, the, the microbes themselves have the genetic machinery inside, which are known as biosynthetic gene clusters. And those gene clusters encode for the production of, of molecules. Those can be small molecules. Um, they can be more complex molecules. But uh, in biotechnology, as you know, the uh, genes equal proteins equal drugs. And it's a little bit different here. This is more like looking at yeast, for example, that produces alcohol. And alcohol is a small molecule and it has uh, uh, various attributes. But bacteria um, also have a similar array of machinery internally comprised of a whole bunch of, of genes working in, in unison. And those genes come end to end as part of the DNA sequence that you can go through and sequence with modern day next generation sequencers. And so in the old days, uh, people would, would have to culture microbes and grow them up um, and, and then brew them for a while and see if those microbes produced interesting molecules. And something like 60% of the drugs on the marketplace today 
are are actually either directly or indirectly derived from from natural products. And natural products include this sort of thing that we're talking about, which is molecules produced by microbes. So historically, that's been one of the richest supplies of, of uh, pharmaceuticals uh, decades ago. But unfortunately, over the last couple of decades, it's become a, a, a issue of diminishing returns. Um, the efforts at, at, at culturing microbes, they're, they're looking at the same microbes over and over again and discovering the same molecules over and over again. So largely, this, this field of natural products has sort of hit a wall of diminishing returns. And, and this is where the technology of, of Sean Brady and Lodo comes in. Powered by the next generation sequencing, one can go to the environment and gain access to samples that literally have thousands of different microbe species in them and go directly to the DNA sequencing data. By sequencing the, all those simultaneously, you get the, the, the data in the form of DNA. And the, these biosynthetic gene clusters are in that DNA. So already at that level, before culturing, uh, 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 before actually expressing the molecules in a, in a broth and seeing if they work, you can already begin to see the, the telltale signs of drug-like activities. And the, the thing that's very encouraging about this approach is that these molecules that these microbes are making are essentially assured of having some biological relevance. So as we're, we're going through uh, the thousands of DNA sequence um, patterns and we can begin to, to look at the, the biosynthetic machinery that's uh, there built into those microbes to produce these small molecules, we begin to, to uh, glean and, and inform our, our prioritization of which of those we're going to move forward. Steve, you want to add to that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to stress the point there that, you know, historically, you know, the pharmaceutical industry has tapped into less than 1% of the essential, the entire domain of where uh, microbes can produce molecules. And uh, what we can do is go in essentially, um, but with a DNA first approach and through the sequencing of that DNA, which encodes for these molecules, we can access probably 99% more of that space. So it's just unexplored. It, it's a it's an incredibly powerful tool. You'd mentioned um, Dale the the idea of fermentation versus culturing. Talk about the 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 approach this uh, the uncultured approach that Lodo has. Well, with only about one percent of the, the microbes actually uh, cultured, uh, that that leaves a, a great universe of molecules that have not been taken advantage of as of yet. In fact, of the 1% of the cultured microbes, only about 10% of the molecules that those microbes <clears throat> produce um, have been analyzed. So um, in the old days, it was, was difficult to, if you found a, a new microbe, to, to get it to grow and uh, to get it to produce these molecules and then test them uh, was the, the real challenge of the field of natural products, drug discovery and development. So over the last 10, 20 years, it's, it's sort of gone out of favor. So with the, the advent of the next generation sequencing, which has just provided huge breakthroughs across so many different areas of the, the healthcare and, and uh, medical sciences, um, that we're able to go directly to uh, environmental sources of thousands and thousands of different microbial species and simultaneously sequence their, their DNA. And by looking at the DNA at the DNA level, you can see these <clears throat> marvelous things called biosynthetic gene clusters. And those biosynthetic gene clusters are end-to-end -end strings of genes and other genetic information that are used by the microbes to simultaneously produce these drug-like molecules. And these microbes produce these drug-like molecules for their own benefit. And they've been doing so for hundreds of millions and billions of years. And so by using the DNA sequencing for the first time, 
um, we're able to get directly to that DNA data and begin to analyze it for the telltale signs and clues as to whether or not these might be appropriate for our drug discovery uh, purposes. And so do you start with the sequencing or is it more winnowing down to kind of positive hits and then sequencing those samples? Oh, we call it the DNA first approach. And so the, the DNA data can come from uh, uh, conventional sources, public domain sources. But what we've done is created a, a, a workflow of getting to these uh, naturally sourced microbes and immediately move them into the sequencing domain and get that data into the computer as soon as possible. And in so doing, we're able to analyze them earlier. Uh, we're able to cull through that list, uh, uh, that set of uh, DNA and um, not progress those that are the least promising and progress those that are the most promising that show the telltale signs of the drug-like properties that we're looking at. That, that goes to the, the subject of the chemotype and predicting the sort of chemotype or the, the type of molecules that this particular hunk of DNA that we're looking at at this moment um, might suggest that the, the molecule, when it is eventually produced, what type of chemical structure, what kind of chemotype will that structure be? And what does that match the particular set of receptors and targets that we're looking at, 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 at for this particular uh, set of drug programs? Yeah, and if I, if I could add, uh, you know, the cost and the ability to do sequencing is, is very low. And it's actually what you want to do is sequence as much as you can. And it's the production and the output um, of the expression, which is more labor intensive. So we actually uh, enrich um, at the front end and only produce uh, those key molecules that are most differentiated and most unique. So take me from soil sample to hit straight to the DNA. And then how do you align the, the kind of the, the structure function gene axis? You know, it's, it's an interesting uh, challenge that the pharmaceutical industry has had for the last several decades. Um, and there's been efforts along the lines of using in silico computer modeling to do so-called structure activity relationships of what chemical molecules might be able to, to fit a particular target. So if there's a pocket in some sort of protein and the goal is to produce a drug that fits into that pocket, then one could go to uh, computational means to be, be able to predict which chemical reactions would produce which segments or fragments of molecules that would fit into that particular pocket of that, that target. And, and that's, that technique has been a, a challenge because the, the list of potential molecules that could be produced um, and whether or not the medicinal chemist can produce those molecules is, is, the, is the issue. Uh, frequently, the, the chemists are only able to make what they're able to make as opposed to what they would like to make. And infrequently, they, they aren't quite sure what, they, what it is that they want to make. So that's at one end of the spectrum where you're talking about a, a potential molecule to engage and interact with the, the target that, that is the, the drug uh, or the disease modulating uh, uh, point of activity, mechanism of action of, of for example, um, uh, inhibiting a, a binding of, of some, some other molecule at that same location. So that's at one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum are these DNA biosynthetic gene clusters. And these biosynthetic gene clusters have certain uh, telltale signs. Uh, and for the gene clusters that exist already and the molecules that those things encode for and, and the receptors and targets that those things bind with, that whole um, continuum, if you will, already exists for you know, several hundreds, if not low thousands of such molecules. So with, armed with that data and with other data that we have, we're able to look at the DNA data and be able to uh, find the telltale signs of, of what will that genetic um, machinery produce from a, when it actually produces a small molecule. And it's that information that we're able to then uh, use to be able to progress uh, certain but not all of the DNA compounds to be able to get them to express in cells 
and, and produce those molecules to actually do the actual binding assays that we need to do to eventually move the product into the, the next stage of, of the pipeline. Once you've got a hit, you, and you touched on this, the, the, the synthesis barrier where the chemists can't do what they want to do. Um, and so how do you sidestep that, the, the semi-synthetic approach? Is this where synth uh, synthetic biology comes in for you to be able to produce those? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the idea here is, is the diversity and the complexity that nature provides is, is unmatched. And the idea of, of biosynthesis um, through a microbe of generating that molecule is going to uh, far surpass what a medicinal chemist can make, or at least in a given time period. Um, it can take 25 years to synthesize a, uh, the total synthesis of a molecule. So, so the idea is that the production um, occurs um, um, upon uh, fermentation, essentially, to get the key lead molecules. From that, um, semi-synthesis can always be done on a portion of the molecule to fine-tune, say, physical chemical properties, et cetera, um, from what the molecule uh, begins as. But we're really only talking about a few steps um, to finally optimize uh, the, the end product. Talk us through the hit-to-lead process. Are you permutating your, your leads? How, how, does, how does that aspect work? Or are you far enough along by the time you have a you're doing hit to lead that you're more well characterized than other, say, other programs. How does the optimization compounds work? So the idea is with the platform, you can go in with a sequence tag. You have a sense of what this molecule should look like and go in and look for uh, uh, related congeners or nature's best uh, from that molecule that you're beginning with. And you can look for on a, essentially a, a genetic tree, so to say, what are the molecules that are closest to that lead or what are farther away? And from that, you can then produce those molecules and, and test those. Um, and what that means, is essentially, you've optimized through nature, um, say, a half dozen additional molecules to the original hit. Beyond that, you're back into then you do lead up um, for you know, two to three steps semi-synthesis off those advanced leads. But yes, you, you can advance around, you can optimize through nature um, the initial lead that you started with off this platform. So you talked about infectious disease and oncology as major uh, focus areas for the company. What other therapeutic categories uh, might you approach? Yes. So you know, I, I think uh, inflammatory diseases is certainly an, another area. It, there's a rich history of natural products in that as well. Um, you know, thinking of rapamycin, for example. Um, and then, you know, those related uh, disorders that kind of cross the, um, the, the, the borders, so to say, of oncology, such as fibrotic um, uh, disorders, some of the, uh, uh, the biological pathways um, that are pursued for uh, anti-cancer um, therapies and can also be uh, diverted into uh, fibrotic disorders. So that, that would be another area that we definitely have on our horizon. And what would be the therapeutic areas that you'd try to stay away from? Um, just the prima facie doesn't yeah. seem to be a good fit. Yeah. So, so I, I think, you know, what Lodo does is we pursue first in class uh, unmet medical need. Um, we will not pursue hypertension, uh, diabetes, um, uh, cardiovascular, um, uh, atherosclerosis, right? Uh, we really want to go where there's either orphan diseases, where there's essentially no therapy. Um, or there's essentially uh, undrugged targets called you know, undruggable 
targets um, that have no ligand, uh, have no lead, uh, because the chemical diversity just isn't out there to discover those leads. And how is Lodo better positioned to go after those uh, targets than other programs? One aspect of, of the, the platform that we have, which is, is really important, is that there's whole ranges of interactions, physiological interactions within the body that are, are considered undruggable. And the reason why they're undruggable is that the typical sort of molecules that are able to be produced by medicinal chemists uh, just don't have this, the scope or the, the range of, of interactions uh, with that type of, of target to yield a, a promising drug lead. And yet, when we look at the molecules that are produced by microbes, in many cases, they're producing molecules that have that sort of scope. Um, so when we look at protein-protein uh, interactions in general, this is an area that is, is, is a, a broad class of, of relatively undruggable indications. And we find that the molecules that are produced by microbes are, are particularly good, especially since we can, we can scan and cull through at the DNA level for molecules that have the potential for interacting with these broad, undruggable targets. And so uh, for the first time, really, uh, instead of asking a medicinal chemist to produce a, a new scaffolding and, and a, produce a common material chemistry library of molecules that might interact with this protein-protein uh, interaction, you know, there's no assurance that, that, that uh, those chemical, uh, chemicals that the, the common material chemist is producing are going to have uh, binding characteristics. There may be a large number in the library. There may be thousands, tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of molecules in that library. But in, in most cases, there's is certainly no assurance that there is biological relevance with any of those molecules. And so when we're looking at the, the molecules that are um, encoded for at the DNA level in these uh, biosynthetic gene clusters, those molecules that are eventually going to be produced by those biosynthetic gene clusters actually have assured biological relevance. And by looking at the scale and the scope and the, the chemical features that are eventually going to be imparted in those molecules when expressed, uh, when produced, um, we can have the tell telltale signs of whether or not they'll be uh, appropriate for that target that we're considering in this particular program. So it's, it's actually for the first time we're able to do this uh, uh, at, at such a large scale. And when you're at that scale, what becomes the bottleneck? If you've alleviated some of the synthesis issues and, and, and starting with that kind of DNA first so you can go back and, go and, and tap into that data, it's always there. Where are your limitations? Of course, we think the sky is the limit. Um, but uh, I, I think production, right? So when you talk about heterologous expression, some of these can be difficult um, to turn on. And some actually work quite well. So it's... It, it's somewhat of a, um, a mixed bag um, when you go in with a, a DNA cluster, um, that encoding piece of DNA, and put that into a, not its native host, right? And putting it into a, uh, a different host, a heterologous expression. You have to work that with synthetic biology and promoters and, and, and different um, switches that turn on and off your genes to increase your production. Once you can get some expression, um, then it's all downhill because essentially it, it's really uh, being able to tap into decades and decades of, of fermentation of, of, of production uh, with uh, media conditions um, and, and, and ways to improve uh, your, your, your yield. That's a really good point because it's, this is custom synthesis, bottom up, almost on a compound to compound basis. So I wouldn't say it's a compound by compound basis. I, I, I think what, what you'll see is a given uh, microbe will actually generate many different types of molecules um, in different classes. Um, 
depending on what you're pursuing based on your, your sequence, right? Um, it's, uh, so I wouldn't say it's compound by compound, but uh, sometimes it, it, it may be more of a, um, a, a rare uh, producer uh, where the original uh, uh, molecule uh, came from, and uh, you don't have many uh, different options um, to choose other hosts. Once you've declared a candidate and you're moving into preclinical and non-clinical development, how do you approach the drug development aspect of this scale-up and CMC and the, and the like? Well, one of the, the interesting things about working uh, with this workflow of, of Lodo that we've developed is that we're working with the biosynthetic machinery that already has shown that it can produce these molecules. And so uh, we've already got a leg up, if you will, in the ability to, to make the translation uh, uh, with CMC and, and um, uh, production. The brewing process, the biosynthetic machinery, is translatable into a, a new host, and that host is then able to produce that molecule. There may be some tuning, of course, to be able to increase the, the yield. But uh, in many cases, if you were to, to start with a, bio, a, a pure synthetic approach and, and develop the sort of molecules with the diversity and complexities that we're able to work with, uh, that would, once, once you actually succeeded in finding a molecule that worked at, at micro scale, that'd be the beginning of your, your troubles because you then have to then scale up what might be a, a 30, 40, 50 step uh, synthetic reaction with the yields that are vanishingly small. And so then be able to produce that into a, a large scale uh, drug manufacturing facility might be quite a challenge. So it's interesting in, in the, the Lodo approach, we, we, uh, although there is work to be done in each of the stages there, uh, we already have the biosynthetic machinery at the point that we've already discovered the, the compound's utility. And once we've been able to show essentially that we have microbial production now with our new cluster in our heterologous host, you essentially you, you lock right into decades and decades of expertise in the industry uh, to be able to uh, produce uh, natural products through a mi microbial fermentation. It, it's a it's a well um, well studied area uh, that we are able to lock right into on in, in the development CMC side. Lodo gained a lot of early investor interest, and you have a slate of major partners as investors. Navigate that for us a little bit. Well, a lot of the uh, the major pharmaceutical companies have. Uh you know, spent a lot of energy and, and efforts to, to gain uh, contacts into academic laboratories and early emerging stage companies. So in our case, we're very pleased to be able to have um, some of the biggest and most successful pharmaceutical companies as, as uh, shareholders. Uh, includes Lilly, AbbVie, Pfizer, J&J, &J, um, also uh, top venture capital groups such as Arch. Um, and then the two collaborations, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and with Genentech. So the company's very well endowed with some of the, the best organizations and, and uh, the, the efforts that are underway right now have been able to sort of prime the platform to be able to, to get it up and running and, and, and successful. Um, and now we're very excited about moving it to the next stage where we'll be able to, to pursue our own programs as we are already in oncology and then other programs as well. So what we see is, is uh, unfolding in the next year or two, we'll be um, opening up other opportunities for other collaborations with other, uh, other companies. Um, so the platform is uh, very prodigious. It'll, it'll produce a lot of, of uh, novel molecules with uh, novel capabilities. And so in order to, to, to match the sort of output of our platform, we'll be looking for uh, adding additional collaborations, perhaps several, uh, over the next two years. Now, when we first met, I, 
I was on the company side actually pitching you as a, as a venture capitalist. How does your experience as a, a VC with Advent Life Sciences, how does that inform your thinking about as the CEO of Lodo? Well, as always, um, you know, before I was a venture capitalist and, and as I was a venture capitalist, one of the most important aspects of uh, describing a, a company's opportunity is to answer the question of why us, why now? And as I was looking at opportunities to to step back into the CEO position uh, the last several months, um, I, I found with Lodo, it's it's uh, truly a historically important opportunity for the biotechnology industry. Um, the field of, of natural products is interestingly uh, sort of gone out of favor for the reasons discussed earlier. It's just diminishing returns. There's a lot of effort that goes into the culturing and finding these molecules to only find out that they've been discovered yet again. Uh, in other words, they're not novel. And so, you know, you, you ask yourself when there's such a, a historically impactful technological breakthrough as next generation sequencing, it's created a lot of opportunities. Well, one of the biggest opportunities is to be able to untap this, this the largest reservoir of biologically re relevant molecules known to man. And that's those molecules that are produced by microbes. So for me, it's as I was a venture capitalist listening for uh, people to explain uh, what made their company special, or when I was a CEO of my earlier companies, uh, to, to, to convey why I was so excited about the company. It's the same is true now with Lodo. It's why I'm so excited about Lodo is because we're now tapping in to the largest reservoir of biologically relevant molecules known to man. And it's now available for the first time using the techniques that were developed by, by Professor uh, Brady. So it's, it's truly an exciting time. And so with the experience that that you have bringing to bear here and the, and the, and the senior leadership that you have, um, like Dr. Coletti, um, the others on your team, what do you plan to accomplish with the, the, your next round of funding? I think I could start in on this. Um, so I think, you know, looking forward, um, in, in the next, uh, three to five years, right? So it's around expanding, um, into a number of different chemical classes. Uh, we have the ability with this platform to access a very broad range chemical diversity with many different uh, chemotypes. And uh, with that broad range, you can imagine having different uh, partner-driven uh, collaborations, maybe aligned with uh, different chemotypes. Um, often chemotypes align with therapeutic uh, pharmacological classes. So, um, so we see that moving forward. Um, what we, we think about accomplishing in, in this next round, uh, as well as that, our internal assets, which uh, we, we talked about earlier on. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly plan on being in the clinic um, in the coming years uh, looking forward. So certainly uh, driving some of our own internal programs um, and through, uh, through the clinic. As you move Lodo forward, based on each of your deep experience, what are the things that you are trying to bring to bear in Lodo? And what are the things that you're trying to kind of eschew off from previous experience uh, and not do at Lodo? Well, one of the things I, I find that interesting here is, is that there have been previous attempts at uh, reinventing drug discovery, and there are current, currently um, attempts to re reinvent the, the process of drug discovery and development. And there's those that are, are using artificial intelligence and machine learning, and, and we're certainly um, doing that already. Um, but the idea that, that you can um, develop a molecule um, and conceptualize it uh, completely de novo out of thin air, if you will, using these uh, computational techniques um, is is uh, a, a real challenge. And it's been a challenge for those that have tried in silico drug discovery uh, for the last 15, 20 years or so. 
And similarly, if you go at the at the pure DNA level, um, you know, it's 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 important to recognize that out of these biosynthetic gene clusters, um, when you you get this DNA sequence, it doesn't just pop off the page that this gene cluster is going to produce this precise molecule, and this precise molecule is going to be just the drug you were looking for. It's the connecting of these two things, which is uh, really important for, for Lodo. And so what we're, we won't do is rely too much on um, just the DNA data, not too much on just the artificial intelligence, but we found a way of actually um, blending these things together on a stepwise uh, 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 workflow whereby there's uh, feedback control systems uh, along the way of perhaps half a dozen uh, different loops uh, between, on one end, the DNA sequencing data, which in embeds these or, or includes these, these biosynthetic gene clusters, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which is where a small molecule or a, a natural product molecule will engage with a receptor or a target. And it's the the, the linking of these two, which is the, the, the challenge for Lodo and what we are specializing in and what we've already shown uh, success with. And if I were to add to that, you know, a, a few key things in, in terms of a little more detail around drug discovery, right? Uh, choosing our targets uh, wisely. Um, we really want to go where no biological um, chemical leads exist. So the chemical diversity um, that, that exists in nature is unmatched. And we see that as, as a huge advantage. So we want to go after you know, that really unmet medical need and those undrugged targets um, where no lead exists. That also means then that if you're in that truly unmedical, um, unmet medical need, um, that you really want to remove the compliance variable in terms of route administration. So, so we really don't worry about oral uh, bioavailability for a pill. Um, we actually uh, pursue injectable routes of administration, um, which uh, gets us into uh, much more feasible um, approaches to develop these drugs moving forward because we're, we're trying to make a difference in medicine. I'm not, not, not trying to be the, the, the third or the fourth to the market and looking for um, you know, moving something into a, an oral pill. So, uh, so some of our, our key uh, experiences and learnings about how do you um, kind of get a Venn diagram of natural products, what Lotto can do, and what medicine needs? Dale, you famously were so close to a five-year projection for your first startup that, as many years later, you were 6% off of your original projections. Can you talk a little bit about the, the Biomech and SmithKline Beckman and uh, your, your kind of first foray? Yeah, my, my background is in, in physics, and so my, I came to biotechnology with the, the idea of industrializing and reinventing drug discovery from the very beginning. And along the way, like for my, my first company, we could have uh, developed that company as a high-throughput screening company. Such things didn't exist necessarily in the early 80s, but instead we produced this laboratory robot called the Biomech, and it's be become very successful. There's tens of thousands of them out uh, being used every day now. Um, and uh, we did quite a bit of uh, work on, on market assessment and, and market validation uh, around the biomech. When we moved to the, the field of actually using such breakthrough tools as the biomech represented back in the 80s, you know, we moved to the, the modern day with, with Lodo, for example. These technologies are um, equally breakthrough, if not more so. You move the predictions to moving things in and through the clinic and it becomes much more statistical, statistically challenging. So it's harder to make uh, uh, firm predictions. But what I do know 
is that more shots on goal is a good thing. Having greater molecular diversity of biologically relevant molecules is a good thing. And so with the platform that Lodo has, what I'm confident of is that in the next four or five years, we'll have such a, a wealth of, of emerging compounds that we'll be able to, to prioritize those that are most promising, that have the best uh, initial in vitro and then in, in vivo data, and then move them into the clinic as appropriate. And we'll do so selectively on our own behalf for certain uh, programs, but also have a growing range of corporate collaborators that are able to, to benefit from this, this stream of these molecules as they come from the Lodo platform. So I think we'll we'll uh, make up for our, our uh, prediction predictability capabilities by the by the sheer force of the platform, which is going to pr uh, be prodigious in, in producing these compounds. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate. It. Thank you so much for coming on the Tomorrow's Cup podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's fascinating to hear about these platforms that start from some unique insight, but then they carefully integrate other seemingly disparate technologies in order to optimize and accelerate novel discoveries. Lodo Therapeutics is a perfect example of this. A huge thank you to our guides, Dr. Dale Post and Dr. Steve Coletti. They took us inside the company's discovery platform and their plan to discover medicines from microbes. This is the Tomorrow Scale Podcast. I'm Justin Briggs.